0: I know I do, while remaining supportive and breathable. Hard to find that combo. The Two Way V4 gives you the tools that you need to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two Way V4 at NewBalance.com. Nah, 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 come on. On this episode of the Heat Check, it's the third week of the NBA playoffs. Things could not be more wild. We've already had a couple of ejections, broken elbows, angry press conferences, chaos in the court, chaos on the streets, chaos on Twitter, and you know me. I love it. I love that. So let's, before we get into all the games, break down the news from around the league, and then we'll get back to some listener questions, because I know you have a lot. It will now become a regular segment. I am back on my bullshit. We love the playoffs, rock. So drop that. Motherfucker. Like All right, let's get into the some news around the NBA before we break down the playoffs. Uh, there goes my hero. Congratulations to my my guy, Tyler Hero, winning sixth man of the year. Congratulations. Well deserved. Pretty much everyone thought that this would be the case from, I don't know, you not coming off the bench. Like, <laughs> ever since you started starting, uh, you started leading sixth man of the year. And what do you get for that? What do you get for sixth man of the year? Apparently, maybe... A max contract for Tyler Hero. People are talking about, yes, yes. If you're listening to this right now and you've done one of those things where you cock your head back and you shake it while your eyes are closed, that's the same result and the same uh, feeling and range of emotions that I went through. So I had an interesting conversation with a couple of people and I'm starting to ask just randomly, hey, do you think Tyler Hero is worth max money? Hey, Hey, you, over there in the chip line, in the chip aisle, hey, do you think Tyler Hero's worth max money? Like, he's pretty good. But are, do we even know, like, off the top of our head, when we just say max money, do we even know that number? Because when you say max, I think 30. And I still say no. And now when we say max, it's actually closer to 40. That's the question right now for the Heat because Tyler Hero is now slated for an extension, and it could be an expensive one uh, for a team already sort of struggling with their cap situation. I think that they are at over 140, $140 million. That puts them squarely in the luxury tax. I went on uh, Jake Fisher, insider for Bleacher Reports podcast, uh, a couple of days ago. I think maybe yesterday. It's called Don't Aggregate This. Great name. Uh, so give that a fall, give that a listen. But he reported this. Some rival executives and agents polled believe Hero's next deal may approach five years, $184 million maximum. Others have pointed more towards Jalen Brown's recent structure of a four-year, $106 million deal. Let me just say this. There's a significant difference between $27 million a year and $37 million a year. I guess an extra player or two uh, that now you don't get to sign. So, where to those who are thinking about this situation, like, first and foremost, is he worth that? Like, where will he fall in terms of. Who's going to pay him? Where is he going to fall in terms of that range when it comes to his next contract? Is he a max player? I don't think so. Me, personally, he's a nice player. I think if you can get two or three other guys that can shoot the three around screens, kind of do some facilitating, you know, has the ability to do that thing that he does with his lip, maybe get Jack Harlow to partner on a song with him, like, I think maybe that guy's just as worthwhile as Tyler Hero. And I like Tyler Hero. But you're already paying Jimmy Butler 36 a year. Kyle Lowry, 28 a year. Bam Adebayo, 32 a year. Is he more valuable than any of those humans on the court? I mean, I don't mean in terms of his, like, worth as a, as a human. I mean, just in terms of, like, is he worth more money to the Heat than any one of them? I don't think he, any of them. To me, I think he's a little bit less valuable than Kyle Lowry. He is younger, so maybe you factor in more money coming in from betting or whatever. No. Max money served reserved for superstars. And Tyler Hero, if you're paying Tyler Hero and he's not a superstar, max money, $37 million a year, you're not going to win a championship, unfortunately. Unfortunately, that's a hit. You're in a situation where, I mean, truthfully, P.J. Tucker might be more hard to replace than Tyler Hero, and he gets paid $7 million a year. He's no athletic freak. He's not going to get you 40 on any given night or even average 20, but, like, grind, tough guy, important, very little of those. A lot of guys coming around screen shooting threes. So, also, really quick, as an aside, what I've realized, it was an epiphany as I was thinking about this, is I'm dead certain Pat Riley, executive for the Miami Heat, will never pay Kyler Hero $40 million a year. How do I know that? One, Dwayne Wade won a ring by himself. As soon as Dwayne Wade's value started to diminish, Pat Riley told him, don't let the door hit you where the good Lord switch split you. He didn't pay him. He said, like, I don't care that you were underpaid when you won us a ring. You're no longer valuable to us, Dwayne. That's the Pat Riley way. Also, it's been the Pat Riley way since Pat Riley was not even Pat Riley. Let's go back to 1979, 1980. He was holding Spencer Haywood's baby in his arms in Spencer Haywood's house while actively shopping Spencer Haywood. What? By the way, love winning time. Pat Riley likes Tyler Hero a lot. He loves Tyler Hero. He considers Tyler Hero to be like a version of him. But I swear to you, he's going to look at Tyler Hero in the eye, smile in his face, tell him, I love you like a son, I'd never trade you. And then the very next day, Tyler Hero will be in Toronto for Pascal Siakam. Like, that's where we're at. Hero's a good player. Average 20 points a game, 38% from three off the bench. But, My lord. I tell you what, he can become one of the top scorers at that age, at that size, at what he's doing. He makes things look easy. Bam Adebayo loves him. That's his quote. Problem is, that shit does not matter to Pat Riley. Deuces, Tyler Hero. He does not care how popular you are. He does not care about that. He cares about only two things. Winning and whether you're affordable. And Tyler Hero might have made himself quite unaffordable to the Miami Heat. Another quick little story. Uh, Masai Ujiri has spoken out, GM, president of basketball operations as well for the Toronto Raptors. He has spoken out about the Lakers pursuing Nick Nurse. For those not in the know, Braun and AD apparently want Nick Nurse bad. No shit. And all three are Rich Paul clients. And maybe Braun felt that he and AD had an inside track in swooping in and stealing Nick Nurse. They don't call it La La Land for nothing. The land of dreams that are unattainable. (laughs) Nick Nurse's own denials, folks, weren't enough. So leave it to the president of the basketball operations of the Rasters, Masai Ujiri, to just guillotine this shit once and for all. He said, first and foremost, no team has contacted me about Nick Nurse. But I dream like they dream. I want Messi. I want Ronaldo. I want Kobe Bryant. They can dream for Nick Nurse, too. Oh, shit. Masai Ujiri just put the entire Lakers franchise in a body bag, zipped it tight, threw it in the back, headed it to the morgue. That's where that's going. Then, once it got to the morgue, ran a John Deere over it and turned that ground into a parking lot. The gall of Braun and AD to think after what they did of Oglesnake and him, anyone who would be as respected as Nick Nurse, to go anywhere where those snakes were in the grass? No shot. Amazing. And then Masai Ujiri wasn't done. When asked a few days later about how much he wanted a WNBA team in Toronto, he replied with a smirk, a call back to those who have been following along. I can dream. I can only dream. Just like the Lakers. (laughs) Just like the Lakers! I have never seen a man a president of basketball operations put an entire franchise twice in a body bag like I just saw him do to L.A. What a thing of beauty. Um, Another story that's coming out, another Laker coaching candidate, Utah Jazz head coach, Quinn Snyder, who has now probably aged, if you look at him, he's aged faster than a sitting president. Like he just looks rough. Being in Utah, we already know what time it is. And now are there some new pieces of information that are surfacing that are not only giving me pause for what the Utah Jazz organization is going to look like moving forward, but two, whether Quinn Snyder even makes sense for the, the Lakers. Makes even less sense, potentially, than Nick Nurse. Could he be the kind of guy that could lead stars like Braun and AD despite the news that's come out that Braun is pushing for him? One. First piece of news, in the aftermath, I talked about this briefly on TikTok, but in the aftermath of another sad exit, the Utah Jazz have, pretty much their entire franchise is going to get blown up. They're in free fall. Might be years before they're good again. Reports now are that Rudy Gobert uh, is telling the brass, it's either Donovan or it's me. Oh boy. Oh, Rudy. See ya. See ya, sir. Uh, you can just go ahead and uh, clean out your locker. We're going to go ahead and just find another option for you. And there are plenty of options for Rudy. He's been linked to the Warriors. He's been linked to the Hawks. He's been linked to the Dallas Mavericks. All places that are in need of some front court defense and that they're just a piece away maybe from a championship. Rudy gets paid $40 million a year, folks. So that's that. Secondly, I learned a, a... Another piece of peculiar news about the jazz organization's structure of decision-making. Normally, in basketball, you would have owner, and then below owner is the president of basketball operations and or GM. There could be combo roles, different guys, all kinds of different ways that that's set up. But that's the structure, right? And then after the GM, it goes the coach. And then maybe some star players, like, you know, with Clutch and Rich Paul in the mix, like, maybe below the GM or equal to the GM is the agents of the star player. In this case, according to—I'll say it's publicly. According to Jake Fisher in our conversation yesterday, uh, below ownership is Donovan Mitchell's people. That's it. (laughs) Owner, group, Dwayne Wade, Ryan Smith— CAA making decisions for what the roster does in terms of whether it's beneficial to Donovan. Is that not bonkers to you? Is anybody else feeling like maybe Donovan Mitchell is not? I mean, Donovan is a fine player, but is Donovan Mitchell that good where he's the first, his people are the first decision makers you call? Fuck no. Makes you wonder, like, could Donovan Mitchell exist anywhere else with these types of demands? And I promise you, Leon Rose, if he ends up finding a way to get Donovan Mitchell back into the home, like, Donovan Mitchell is not going to be able to, like, just lead the bus there. I don't think he's going to get treatment like that anywhere else. Speaking of buses, though, this is the last piece of news. Fourthly, the inside scoop is that Quinn Snyder... Normally, uh, team buses, there's two. The early bus, the late bus. Apparently, not only does Quinn Snyder have three buses, not sure why, but he has seating arrangements that he creates like children for his players on the bus. And the f- better you play, the further up on the bus you move and on the team plane. He has assigned seats on the team plane, assigned seats on... On the team buses. If that, like, just let that sink in. Like, grown men making millions of dollars a year, and you get on the plane, and it's like, Rudy, you're gonna be going. You're gonna sit here. You, you missed this defensive assignment. You're on the back of the bus now, sir. Excuse me. That shit doesn't work on any team that's actually a contender because these are grown stars with egos and, like, why are you controlling them in this way? And second of all, it's never going to work on a place like the Lakers. So if Quinn Snyder is on that kind of bullshit, if that's true, I mean, that's true. I had it verified that on team planes and most likely buses, Quinn Snyder is assigning seats. Imagine LeBron James getting on the team bus and it's like LeBron, no, that's not your seat. You're you're in Aaron fifteen seven, fifteen A, next to um, next to Kent Bazemore, you know. Uh, and then like just like lastly, I would say blow it all up, get rid of Quinn, let him go wherever. You just like free like a bird, go on, do your thing. Get rid of Donovan wherever he wants to go. Get as many picks as you can. Get rid of Rudy. Get rid of you know mike conley because he's washed you know just build around no one just start again start fresh scorched earth things in utah will see better days but playoffs are nowhere in the near future donald and bye go bear bye conley bye
1: stock up on track picks. find me somewhere out in london you know that's the hideaway i need some head and some more support from you right away since I've been making donations to you, like
0: oh, man, let's talk about the Memphis Grizzlies. Me main I thing I want to discuss day. today is that. Question, are the Memphis Grizzlies the new villains of the NBA? Not necessarily to fans, but to the rest of the league. Like, are they public enemy number one? Like, let's squash them. Let's humble them. They're too young, too loud, too ostentatious, too brash, too bold. Too fucking arrogant. Like, why are they winning so much? (laughs) Every team feels like they want to humble the Grizzlies. It's what they feel like they all want to do. But I promise you, we as NBA fans should all want to see the Grizzlies succeed. Like, this is a... This is what? The American dream. Like, they didn't buy anything. They didn't find some random wash star to come into Memphis and pretend he wants to be there and then get free agents to come there more no this is all built organically and they all love memphis and they all love each other you've got they're just pissing off the establishment how could you not love that thumbing their noses at the man which is basically the warriors of the world like a dynasty they're like we do not care about you we are not afraid of you a team that trash talked lebron james you got role players being like sit your ass down lebron you're it's our time now <laughs> I mean, this is a team where Ja Morant posted a video of that iconic moment that Jordan made a long time ago where he was like, yo, it's easy to talk shit when you're up 30. Why don't you talk shit when it's 0-0? Zero, zero? Why don't you talk shit when you're down 20? How about that? Like, that's the vibe that the Grizzlies are on. So this, this Grizzlies team, as we know if you're listening and watching basketball or not living under a rock, Grizzlies lose game one in a heartbreaker got buried in the national press immediately, and all of a sudden, somehow, the Warriors, who, let's be honest, are the darlings of the NBA, for a variety of reasons, some valid, some not valid, were already talking about that the Grizzlies were going to get swept. Oh, like, can the Grizzlies, next up on Undisputed, can the Grizzlies find their way to win one game? What? Yeah, they were. I remember. If you don't remember, I remember. Pepperidge Farms remembers. So, quick little interesting nuggets that happened in Game 2, besides the fact that the Grizzlies ended up winning at home. And it would have been dastardly if they would have gone down 0-2 and then head back to San Francisco. I agree. First three minutes of Game 2, we got our second flagrant 2 ejection of the series, Dylan Brooks. Memphis' Gre- and then also Memphis's Draymond Green both got the hook. Draymond in game one, Dylan Brooks in game two. Both of them physical with the reputation that precedes them. Some would say cheap. Some would say dirty. So anyway, Dylan Brooks, Gary Payton II, going up for a layup, and he hits him across his head. Gary Payton falls to the ground, immediately shatters his elbow. Obviously did not return to the game. He's not coming back for the rest of the season, we found out. Four months, probably, on the sidelines. Independently of the game, beyond the game, let me just say, because outside of the news, this shit's sad. Like, this is very sad. Gary Payton, like Steve Steve Kerr, so I think the only thing that he said that was right in that press conference was that this guy's been – just trying to find a home for like six years. He hasn't stuck. He's been in and out of the G League. He's finally found his role, his place. He's a legit player that I think could get $10 million a year because of what he does. He's that Jose Alvarado type. He can steal the ball. He can go up for a dunk athletically in transition. He can pass really well. He's just a threat in a lot of different ways and the Warriors' number one jaw stopper. So now that he's not there, people are wondering, well, was it intentional? Is Dylan Brooks trying to take Gary Payton out of the game because they're so afraid that he's going to stop John Morant from doing John Morant things? So that was a problem. This is a thing. Dylan Brooks gets the early quick hook. Memphis still ends up getting the win. Secondly, that set off Steve Kerr. Set off Draymond Green, pretty much the rest of the Warriors team where they're telling Dylan Brooks, hit the road, Jack, don't you come back no more, saying, get the fuck out of here when he's leaving. Because he has to obviously go to the locker room, can't even be on the sidelines. And they were even more angry after the game, to the point where they're making wild accusations about what Dylan Brooks was doing, what this type of behavior should be end up getting, in terms of consequences, a lot to unpack. One, probably pissed because Draymond Green got ejected for less and has been ejected many times for less. That plays into it. Also, like I said, they're scrambling now without Peyton. Thirdly, though, which I don't think I wrote down, the Warriors have had their own fair share of uh, injuries that they've caused in the playoffs. Kawhi Leonard being the most major one. Uh, that Zaza Pachulia that ended up turning into a whole new foul call about landing space. So we'll get into the post-game quotes a bit after I talk about what came next. Then, next, Draymond Green gets poked in the eye, bleeding down his face so badly he had to leave the game temporarily. Go back to the locker room, get himself. I don't even know how you stitch up an eye, so that's another thing. Memphis fans who are out of their fucking minds... Obviously, because they're a part of the villainy that is now the Grizzlies. They're cheering for Draymond Green to be bleeding out of his face like it's the Roman Coliseum. I mean, I don't know. They've never won anything before. It's a brand new team. Like, just let them have it a little bit. But still, crazy. Then Draymond Green flips him off. Does the Kyrie the double flip off. Then they start cheering for the double flip off because they know he's about to get fined 50k. Wild. So all of this drama is happening whilst John ja Moran is having a historic night mm-hmm. to the tune of almost a 50 nugget on another planet. Had 15 final points in the fourth in game two. Also in game six against the Minnesota Timberwolves, he had 13 final points, just consecutive. No one else, just jaw. Just jaw turning into Michael Jordan in the final minutes of a game. No one else. Me, just me, one-on-one, try to stop me. And everyone knows what Jaw's going to do. I'm taking it to the rack. If you give me space, I'm shooting three. Every time. Don't even say, though, like, I know there's a lot of things on Twitter about whether he carried in one of those plays or not. He did, I mean, there's a lot of things about the carry now. So just stop. But I think that's solidifying as we back up and try to make sense of this, about what Jaw is becoming in front of our eyes. Ja... Obviously shouldn't have won most uh, most uh, improved player he's he was very, very good last year. The step that he took the leap that he took, I don't think warrants it was very small leap. What we're seeing right now from Jaw is that he's he's an MVP level player. He's a top five player. And not only is he a top five player and one of the best in the league, I think John Morant has a real shot and has showed in in moments where the times are bright that he can be the face of the league. Not the face of the league, by the way, that the NBA particularly would want. He's got the grill, he's got a blue, blue dread and a red one, and he's taking shots of tequila on Instagram Live on his G6 on the way to the All-Star game, being like, listen, I'm about to get fucked up. All of that in your face. He's doing the gritty. Every single game they win. He's shit-talking. Steph Curry being like, this is about to be really fun. He's stomping on the middle of your court on your logo. Same things that got Kyrie villainized. And he's not baby-faced like Steph Curry. Tatted. So, and yet, and yet, there he stands. He's the one I think we all think about being the most electric person to watch in the NBA if you could watch to yourself think about this if you could just watch one guy play basketball on any given night who would it be it's jaw on a Tuesday in February it's jaw on a Saturday night in March it's jaw every single time he's must see TV in regular moments when the moments are bright he's almost blindingly good he's almost a star so bright we can't even directly look at him and if you are one of the sad souls that want to tell Ja Morant to be quiet or that he needs to be humbled or that he should just be humble or less loud with his play or talk shit less or figure out a way to just be more like Steph Curry, you're missing the fucking point. Also, by the way, check out John Morant's postgame presser. He couldn't even see when he was having those 15 last points.
1: God.
2: You scored the last 15 points. Were you seeing okay as you were seeing those last 15 no. points? Honestly, no. no. But. Would you aim in the middle or would you How'd you... I got another good eye over here. <laughs> <laughs> 2020 vision
3: right here.
0: Moving forward after the game, the anger built up on the Warriors bench over Peyton's fractured elbow and it spilled over. Draymond went off on Warriors fans, not only throwing up multiple birds, but he also said, like, listen, it felt good to flip these guys off, and I would do it again.
3: you're going to boo somebody who get elbowed in the eye and face running on blood, you should get flipped off. So I'll take the fine. I'll go do an appearance and make up the money. But it felt really good to flip them off. You're going to boo someone that get elbowed in the eye and blood running on your face? I could have had a concussion or anything. So if they're going to be that nasty, I can be nasty,
0: too. (laughs) Let me get that, Rich. Goodness gracious. But it was Steve Kerr, though, who I think really went viral, changing uh, the conversation. He had some, some very terse words about Dylan Brooks and how he broke the NBA code by putting Gary Payton's life in danger.
3: I don't know if it was intentional, but it it, it was dirty. And, um, you know, playoff basketball is going to, it's supposed to be physical. You know, everybody's going to compete, everybody's going to fight for everything. But there's a code in this league, there's a code that players follow um, where you you never put a guy's season slash career in jeopardy by taking somebody out in midair. And clubbing him across the head and ultimately fracturing Jerry's elbow. This is a guy who's been toiling the last six years trying to make it in this league. Um, finally found a home, just, you know, playing his butt off this year. Um, in the playoffs, you know, this should be the time of, of his life. And, uh, guy comes in. Wax him across the head in midair. He broke the code. Dylan Brooks broke the
0: code. I don't see it that way. Me, personally, I don't see it that way. A lot of people thought this was a dirty play. I watched this clip 50, 60 times in a row. It's only like 10 seconds, so don't act like I was breaking down extensive film. But I didn't see the intent to hit the head. I don't think it was dirty. I don't think he went out and decided to take Gary Payton out. Brooks I think is more valuable to the Grizzlies than than Gary Payton is to the Warriors. Did not look intentional to me at all. It looked like he was intending to hit his arm, try to hit the ball and stop him from going up and stop him from at least like being able to shoot the shot. No intent to harm him at all. I don't think like he was like I said just a second ago. I don't think he was trying to hit his head. You kind of look like his head just kind of got in the way of the swipe to the arm and to the ball. I don't think for sure he was trying to fracture his elbow or take him out for the rest of the series. And to me, if Peyton pops back up, like right away, I don't even think it's a flagrant two. I think it's a flagrant one maximum. As an aside, today on first take, pivot, Draymond became news because Draymond flipping off the fans maybe isn't seen as comporting himself in a exactly the word comporting himself is not seen as i think they're trying to make kind of draymond out to be the villain and mad dog russo a famous radio personality said fans are tired of draymond green's antics And they all want to say, enough already. And J.J. Redick, probably the treasurer of the NBA now, decided to clap back in a way that only a former player can and explained it in a way that I felt needed to be brought to the pod because it explains how I feel about Draymond and how guys like Chris Russo are harmful to the culture, so we say. The same sort of connotations that the shut up and dribble crowd
2: has towards athletes. And I have a real problem with that and specifically with Draymond, the idea that America is tired of, You do realize the guy has a very, very popular podcast that he hosts where he talks himself for a majority of the episode and people listen to that. He signed a talent deal with Turner because people want to hear what Draymond has to say. The reason they want to hear what Draymond has to say is because just like in this press conference, he is real authentic and unfiltered and as a player he is real authentic and unfiltered the edge that he carries himself with he's talked about this since game one clay thompson has talked about this since game one it's what makes him great it's what makes him a future hall of famer it's the reason he is who he is it's just like saying, hey John Morant, stop dancing when your teammate's making a three. The reason John Morant is great is because he plays with joy and fun and a carefree attitude and a fearlessness. You can't take away what makes a player great. So there's no shut up and play. Uh, he is so polarizing. I think for all the fans that you think listen to the podcast or watch them, I can give you 50 million fans who would tell the same thing on not Already. So he is a polarizing athlete. Sure, there are certain younger fans, especially, that like to hear him play. I'll give you a large segment of older fans who have followed the NBA for 60 years, who are, this is not a political scenario or a race situation, who have followed Wilt and Wilp is a Knicks fan, who love Clyde, and love Reed, yeah, and love I, I, The I Pearl, agree with you not that. I don't think, I don't, I'm not saying about, that's a race situation. I'm saying that, this, that the fans you're talking about they talk about athletes that way, like you just talked about an athlete. I think there's a lot there. I think people, there's a people on Fox season. the people on Fox News talk about athletes that way. That's my issue. I, I don't actually care about the fans that watch Bob Cousy play right. or watch Wilk play. I don't care. No. I appreciate I, that they've been NBA fans that long. Right. But I don't appreciate the undertone.
0: I don't appreciate the undertone. Listen. I don't know that there's much more to say than that. Zip up the body, still warm. I think he's coming back Wednesday to get bodied yet again by JJ Reddick. My lord, is that true? Yes, this, all of this, every day, twice on Sundays. Stop telling athletes how they should act every single time. Stop it. Unless they're doing something that's against the law or harming someone, then how about you just take a fucking seat
1: and watch them play? You drive me crazy, shorty, I need to see you and feel you next to me. I provide everything you need, and I like your smile, I don't want to see you cry. Got some questions that I gotta ask, and I hope you can come over there. Alright, let's get into
0: some questions. Uh This episode is a little longer than I thought it was going to be, because I am long-winded. Um, but it is what it is. Question one. I didn't write down who asked it, but... I'll get back to you (laughs) on who it was. You know who you are. Is Doc Rivers at fault for Joel Embiid's latest injury? Yes, of course. 29 points ahead of the Toronto Raptors in game six with four minutes left in a closeout game against a team that had waven the right white flag. Waved the white flag. Wove the white flag. Anyway, the Scrubs were in. And you know who was out not out? Fucking Joel Embiid. What's he doing out there? You know, and and like also Embiid already had his thumb was torn up. He shouldn't be out there a second longer than he has to. Why was he out there, you ask? Because Doc is so worried, so nervous, so insecure about the prospect of blowing a 3-0 lead that he kept them on the court to ensure that they didn't blow another lead. He's blown so many leads that he's not even comfortable with up 30 with four minutes to go. What? Of course he has responsibility for this. He's going to say he doesn't, but he does. You pull him, you put him on ice, and you don't see him again until the Heat series. And you know what? They're now losing Joel Embiid for Games 1, Games 2, Probably game three, maybe game four. And by that time, it's night-night sleep mask, and it's maybe night-night to Doc Rivers. He'll probably be fired over it. I mean, you think about it, and you're just like, why'd you do it? Got elbowed in the eye for no reason at all. I know Pascal was the one, and so he's a starter, and he was in the game, so don't, don't give me that. If Don't come into my mentions over that. All right, next question. Does, does Tyrese Maxey really hate James Harden? My initial thought is I hope so. No, no, I, I'm just joking. I, I do think it's funny. There was this funny video that went semi-viral of Tyrese Maxey seemingly not wanting to sit next to James Harden when they were getting blown out by the heat during a timeout. The video was 100% real. It was 100% recent. And it did seem like he wanted nothing to do with, with James Harden. As soon as James Harden sat down next to him, he switched seats to sit next to Maxi, and as soon as he did, Maxie got up and he went and sat somewhere else. Which is fine, by the way, if that was to happen. Like, that doesn't mean you hate them. Sometimes you're just tired of your teammates. You don't want to see their fucking face. They're annoying you. They didn't need to pass you the ball. They made a boneheaded move. You're going to lose the game because of them. And at that point, it's just better for some space. Doesn't mean you hate them. But you do need to kind of remove yourself before things get heated. I've been there. However, it does turn out that that wasn't really what happened. Maxie changed seats because uh, Sam Cassell, assistant coach for the Philadelphia 76ers, who, by the way, probably deserves a head coaching shot, um, wanted to break down a play with Maxie. He did it. Uh, but it did lead, obviously, to a lot of chatter, shall we say. Sixers players finally getting rid of and tired, sick and tired of James's bullshit type of tweets. I wish it was true. I really wish it was true that Tyrese Maxey, after saying all these positive things about James Harden, that he's like, no, you know what? I don't even want to be next to you. (laughs) All right, next question. A lot lot of Sixers questions. Will James Harden sign for less than the Max? No. Why would he do that? If we're talking about Tyler Hero signing the Max, I promise you players, keep notes. If Tyler Hero's getting 37, James is getting 47. Why would he do that? Why would James Harden decide he would take less money for the good of the team? To win? Because he has enough money? He's promised Daryl Morey that he'll take less if he trades. Trade for me, Daryl. I promise. I promise. No. Sam Amick on his podcast a former colleague, said that he's being told that Sixers' intel was that Harden will potentially take less than max money to stay in Philly. I will believe that when I see that. Remember, also, by the way, James Harden was the one who told us he forgot to sign his player option when he got traded. Oh, yeah, the deadline just passed. I didn't even realize, damn, my bad, I really was meaning to do that. What do you think, it's just like you forgot to pick up the mail? Like, he has handlers and agents and managers and people and the team. They're ring, 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 ring. Hey, we need that. Hey, we need that. He didn't forget to sign the player option? That's not something you casually forget. (laughs) What? Everywhere James Harden goes, he's been a little fast and loose with the truth. Let's be honest. Except for, though, the one thing was that he said Houston was dog shit with am Like, that happens to be 100% true. But, like, do I think he's going to—he promised Daryl Morey he would take less money? Oh, yeah, on the open market, just just pay me $40, we are good. Like, I'll let you—you you know, I'll, I'll leave the 10 aside. No! No shot! He's going to get paid $50 million a year and not a cent less. And Daryl Morey is going to pay him that money because he loves James Harden like a son— and has absolutely no care in the world about his own job security. And he will be staking his career on the James Harden signing, and oh boy, at that point, can't wait to see what happens next. Last question, I think. Last question, last question. Yes. Should the Lakers trade LeBron? You know? Now that you mention it, it's not a terrible idea. It's not a terrible idea. It depends on what you're focused on. If you're focused on making money, which, let's be honest, quickly, you have to think about these teams in terms of who's owning them. The Lakers organization, and we're finding this out time and time again on Winning Time, is that they've been broke from the very beginning. They've never had money, real money, outside of the real estate that Jerry Buss ended up getting rich off of and then selling in a trade to own the Lakers. He was struggling with debt collection from second one. It hasn't gotten that much better, no matter how profitable or valuable the Lakers seem to be on paper. They make cheap moves after cheap moves. We've got Jeannie Buss, I think fucking Phil, Phil Jackson again. I don't know. I'm not sure. Like He's giving her advice again, so as long as he's giving her advice, he's probably giving her something else. So they're not like going to they they're not going to trade LeBron cuz they care about LeBron's value to them in terms of jersey sales, in terms of ticket sales, in terms of concessions, all that. But if if they care about winning, I would do it. No one though, by the way, likes to be right more than me. First and foremost, I've been saying this. There's not a lot of options for the Lakers. If you want to win, there's only a few people that you can really get out you guys anthony davis and it's lebron james and now you're hearing that anthony davis isn't really worth that much so maybe it's both and maybe it's like start again which is a shame because you had a ton of high quality players that you gave up for one mickey mouse ring hate to see it enter Stephen a smith Stephen a smith then now goes on today and it's fucking infuriating when it happens six weeks later like i've been saying this And no, but I mean I'm screaming into the void. I'm not on first take, but here we go. This is it, right here. Let's see it.
1: Because I have something that I want to say to Doggy, and JJ Reddick. I specifically, because Doggy and I were supposed to do this segment, I specifically requested that you be in this segment. Okay. Because I have an announcement I'd like to make. What's that? It is involving LeBron James, Doggy. J.J. Reddick, I want to announce to the American public that I think the Los Angeles Lakers should strongly consider trading LeBron James. That is what I believe. Now, a lot of people are going to lose their minds because the brother's 37 in his 19th year and he just averaged 30 and all of this other stuff. And if the team was better, he would have been a league MVP candidate without question.
0: Pause. I said that shit. I said that shit in, in maybe March. It's May 4th. Where you been at, Stephen A? Keep going.
1: This is not throwing a speck of shade on LeBron James in case he's watching, which he'll try to deny it, but he's watching, okay? I'm telling you right now, it's no shade at all. It's a testament to his greatness, and it's a compliment to him that I'm saying this is what the Los Angeles Lakers should consider. The Los Angeles Lakers, as presently constructed, are going nowhere.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Anyway... Like I said, uh, go to the clip, you can listen, I'm not. This is the only thing that's left for you. Like I said, you have to move either Russ, Braun, AD, for as much value as you can. LeBron, if he wants to win, let's be honest, I have an announcement for the public. And I get all that. The announcement is, if LeBron James wants to win another title, he needs to force his way the fuck out. That's what he needs. Like I said, they're not going deep into the luxury tax. He can win in L.A., just not in the purple and gold. Go to Balmer. Balmer spent, let me just, just very slowly speak to you, closely, slowly, slowly. Steve Balmer spent $2 billion on the Clippers, and he paid them with a personal check. He wrote, let me get out my checkbook, and wrote them the check right in front of their fucking face. Do you know what kind of money you have if you can write a personal check for $2 billion? It's just sitting there. It's not in investments. It's not in bonds. You don't even have to accumulate it, call people. You just write the check, and it's there. This is a team. The Lakers are a team. They didn't even want to sign Alex Caruso because it would put them a dollar into luxury tax. What are we talking about? So, LeBron, if you want to win as much as you say you do and you want to stay in L.A. as much as you say you do, then just make it happen because the Clippers aren't going anywhere. The Nuggets aren't going anywhere. The Pels aren't going anywhere. Suns, Grizz, Timberwolves, Warriors, Mavs, all of those eight teams better than you. And maybe the Blazers, Lord willing, They can get back into the playoff conversation. Lakers are not getting any younger. They're not getting any cheaper. They're not getting any better. I know that trading LeBron is ridiculous, but maybe it's best for both sides from a monetary perspective. He is probably still one of the best players in the league. You get four, five, six, seven, eight first-round picks for him. You can get a lot of picks. Clippers don't have a lot of picks now, but maybe they can make some moves, three-team trade, get rid of, I mean, fuck it, get rid of Kawhi. Fuck it. Fuck it. Get rid of PG. I don't care if I'm the Clippers. Got some nice young pieces. We already get made moves. Just make it happen. Because they will never contend. Because AD is always in street clothes. That's all the time that we have for the Heat Check. We'll be back Monday with a new episode. Follow us as we get deeper into the playoffs. Do not forget to download, subscribe. Please tell your friends. Follow us. Follow us, please on this heat check and at tristacrick on tiktok give me a dm let's stay connected i will see you guys